0: or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: An underwater bomb. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Starring one of the biggest box office heroes in the world, an epic action-adventure like you've never seen, MCA Universal Home Video proudly
2: presents Kevin Costner, Gene Triplehorn, Tina Majorino, and Dennis Hopper in
1: Waterworld.
2: When you think of dramatic actors and action stars in the 90s, who do you think of? Robert De Niro, Bruce Willis, Keanu Reeves, Kevin Costner. In fact, if you don't name Kevin Costner in your first five guesses, I doubt you grew up in the 90s. Because when I was growing up, Kevin Costner was king. From Dances with Wolves to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves to JFK, The Bodyguard, Wyatt Earp, Kevin Costner was the number one actor you'd want to play a hunky, masculine man of any era. And then came Waterworld. The most expensive movie up to that point, Waterworld was doomed from the beginning. Fraught with ego, confusion, natural disasters, physical danger, it almost caused the death of one of the most iconic actors of our time. Today we'll talk about the curse of the film, Waterworld. Early in 1994, press leaked a new Costner project called Waterworld, a multi-million dollar production that was being developed and set to take place in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I mean, if that's not entertainment news, I don't know what is. The buzz was big, but not really positive. Costner and the attached director, Kevin Reynolds, were friends and frequent collaborators who had worked together on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. While looking for their next project, they found the script Waterworld, a strange piece by a young and hungry writer named Peter Rader. Back in the mid-80s, Peter Rader was an unsuccessful writer who desperately wanted to break into the film industry. The easiest way to do that was to go with what was selling. And fun, action-style, post-apocalyptic movies were what was selling. Pulpy and fun, the genre was highly sought after and all the rage at the time. Quote, I had a meeting with Roger Corman's company in 1986 that stimulated the idea, Rader recalled. I met with Brad Crevoy, who went on to produce Dumb and Dumber, and he offered me money to write and direct a Mad Max ripoff. And Rader was into it. Inspired, even. What if he did an apocalyptic action movie with a twist? What if Mad Max took place underwater? Crevoy hated the idea, saying it would be dumb and expensive, nearly impossible to make. And still, Raider wrote the script, not worried about budgets, locations, pretty much any grounding in reality. In 1988, Waterworld landed with Andy Licht and Jeff Mueller, who by the late 80s had somewhat made names for themselves with a the low-budget teen comedy, Licensed to Drive, with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Quote, we saw it basically as a spaghetti western on water, Mueller said of the early draft, which impressed the two of them enough that they began to figure out a way to make it on a very, very low budget. Licht and Mueller wound up joining forces with producer Larry Gordon, who headed Largo Entertainment, a firm that had recently enjoyed success with the film Field of Dreams, starring, you guessed it, Kevin Costner. In 1992, Kevin Costner, Kevin Reynolds, and Universal Studios' Red Waterworld and Lichton Mueller were applauded for finding the script. And then escorted off the project, quote, not so politely asked to leave the picture. We got a call from one executive who said that if we did not play along with CAA and Universal, Licht said... Neither company would ever do business with us again. After a brief legal tussle, Licht and Mueller managed to retain an executive producer credit on the finished movie, but other than a credit, their involvement was officially over. Generally, Raider's screenplay was close to what Costner and Reynolds eventually made. The planets flooded, the main character, known simply as the Mariner, is a sexy loner who travels the oceans and goes from one artificial trash heap civilization to the next. The Mariner reluctantly helps a young girl and her headstrong, beautiful guardian who holds the secret to what this new reality calls Dryland, a place of dry land. But Largo wanted to take what was a really bizarre and pulpy apocalyptic horror movie and make it into a 90s big budget action movie. Rader went through six or seven drafts of Waterworld before getting completely burned out. And soon he was also kicked to the curb and replaced by writer David Tuohy, who had just come off of writing a little movie called The Fugitive. The rewrites continued and continued and continued And at some point, the script wound up with Joss Whedon, who got an uncredited rewrite. By the time Whedon saw the script, he said it was a real mess. Quote, They have a good idea, and then they write a generic script and don't really care about the idea. When I was brought in, there was no water in the last 40 pages of the script. It all took place on land, or on a ship, or whatever. I'm like, isn't the cool thing about this guy that he has gills? And no one was listening. I want to acknowledge that Joss Whedon is a problematic person, by the way. We won't get into that now. That's a subject for a different podcast. But back in the 90s, he was another writer who wanted to work with Costner. After Whedon's pass, the script was still a complete mess. But guess what? It got the green light. Let's take a break.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your job's projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hi, hello. How are you? Hello.
0: How are you doing? How are you doing today?
1: This is the check-in.
0: Big
2: deep breath. Uh, in and then the nose. short,
1: painful ones out <laughs> no, and hyperventilate. Right.
2: That's right. It's just over-oxygenate or under-oxygenate. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you what to do.
1: We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, anyone who supports the podcast, shares the message. The it's gospel. about the message. That's right. Please. Such, such such an important message. A
2: beautiful message.
1: And we have to say, we're not forced. mm we're not for no 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 I mean, no, no no. We're it's- not forced. no. We would do this anyway. Strongly suggested though. We must acknowledge our government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. keeping everything together, keeping everything afloat.
2: Oh, nice tie-in.
1: The mayors,
2: the mayors in the house. Here they are:
1: Ashley Matson, hello. James Harrington, hello. Dara Rosenzweig, hi. Cat Josel, hello. David Bull, oh okay. <laughs> and our governor.
2: Here she is. Here it's her she, time now. Yeah.
1: Brace yourselves. Oh, Avian, Avian noble. noble. So if you want early access, bonus episodes, no chit chat. You don't have time. You want to binge. You don't have time. But you're on a schedule. <laughs> you want to listen to 700 episodes <laughs> over the course of three days. Do it. This is for you. Do it. Patreon.com slash Ghost Town Pod.
2: That's right. And Jason just had a birthday. So if you want to share a little gift with him on this day of birth, plus four days, you plus six days? When's this coming out?
1: Almost a week. Okay. Almost a week. Almost
2: a week. It's still birthday time.
1: Not even 50. <laughs> not even 50. So since it's not even 50, share it with a little less than 50 people. It's like and an old And then they letter. share it and it goes up your downline and down your upline.
2: <laughs> like that. Yeah, think they would get cursed if they didn't share it. They oh, don't share
1: it with No, my my go-to is uh, MLM, MLM or no. pyramid scheme.
2: That's much more disconcerting.
1: That's good. I'd rather be cursed than be part of an MLM.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So much merch. <laughs> Speaking of curses, let's get back to this movie that is both wildly over budget and cursed. Waterworld. So we're back. Waterworld has gotten the green light, and everyone is scrambling to rewrite an already overworked script. Even Kevin Costner admits they probably shouldn't have rushed into production with an unfinished script, explaining in an interview with SF Gate that, quote, We shouldn't have green-lighted this movie until the script was finished. I do movies that I know are already written well. Except for Waterworld. From a production standpoint, I tried to manage and control a story that was not there, and kept trying to build a story. A very Costner take on the whole situation, to be sure. But the show must go on, and the film started production. Another interesting point of the story is that Steven Spielberg himself warned the production to be careful with the concept. To start, suggesting Kevin Reynolds and Costner not film on open water. Spielberg had a production nightmare filming Jaws 20 years earlier, so he passed that advice along. However, nobody listened. With director Kevin Reynolds arriving on set in Hawaii, Waterworld was already over budget and completely chaotic. He attempted to describe the madness to Newsweek for the film's 20th anniversary, saying, quote, The set wasn't a three-ring circus, it was a 12-ring circus. The scale was enormous, especially the giant floating set, the atoll. We had hundreds of extras, dozens and dozens of guys on jet skis and helicopters with cameras on them. I don't know, sounds pretty fun to me. But... Even from the start, the sets kept sinking or taking entirely too long to set up. It's hard enough creating a set on land, on dry land, but the Waterworld camera crews found themselves taking hours to set up relatively simple shots. On top of the camera setups, the sets, after some use or being used too long because of inflating production schedules, they started to become waterlogged and would sink into the ocean. Some could be salvaged, but others had to be completely reconstructed because they literally sank to the ocean floor. And then the accidents began. Gene Triplehorn and Tina Majorino nearly drowned when they were thrown from the Mariner's boat when the bow spirit snapped, having to be saved by a team of 12 divers. The worst injury occurred when Kevin Costner's stunt double, Norman Howell, suffered a near-fatal embolism when filming a deep-sea dive. Howell had to be flown to a hospital on Honolulu, where he recovered in a decompression chamber. Costner himself had a terrible brush with death. He described how he spent two hours stuck on a boat mast in order to get a helicopter shot. According to Screen Rant, Costner says, I've read about the Twilight Zone and every fucking thing else. The mere recollection of the shot turns him cranky. The helicopter was about 20 feet away from me. Back the fuck up, Costner yelled. drowned out by the roar of the helicopter, he frantically waved the pilot away. They got the shot, but as the boat turned around, a fierce gale blew up. I don't know what the reason was, but we had purposefully gone out to one of the windiest channels in the world, says Costner, who was stranded, white-knuckled, and lashed to the mast for half an hour. He was not happy, says the producer, who was safe on shore. Speaking of Kevin Costner, he was probably unsurprisingly at the top of his fame and extremely hard to work with. At the time, he was going through a messy divorce with his wife of 16 years, Cindy Silva, and this, along with the pressure of the massive scale project, spilled over into his day-to-day production interactions and demands. Around the halfway point of filming, Crew said that Costner often disappeared, going off to hook up with a married Hawaiian hula dancer who performed at a local hotel. The dancer's husband denied that an affair took place at all, but the story gained steam regardless. Costner also wanted the special effects team to do a little something about his thinning hair. According to Newsweek, Costner demanded the special effects department for every shot add computer-generated hair to his hairline. This probably contributed to a high crew turnover. According to a Los Angeles Times article released during the movie's filming, several members of the nearly 500-person crew had either been fired or walked off the picture, including assistant director Alan Curtis, who reportedly left over creative differences. And assistant directors, I have to emphasize, are key to any shoot. They're the ones who keep the scenes moving and everyone and everybody on schedule. Not a good look. But nothing went as badly as the clashing of Kevin Costner and his longtime friend and collaborator, Kevin Reynolds. They would have screaming matches on set about the film's creative decisions, and eventually, Reynolds himself left the project, leaving Costner, an Oscar-winning director in his own right for Dances with Wolves, to finish the movie himself. Still, Reynolds is credited as the sole director for the finished film. Maybe a little post-production piece offering. Waterworld was initially slated to shoot for 96 days, but it ended up taking an unbelievable 157 days with long, grueling six-day work weeks. Actor Gene Tribblehorn described the madness of the extended shooting schedule, saying, quote, I just remember sitting next to Dennis Hopper at one point, and I was complaining that we had been there for three months, and it was the longest I had ever been on a shoot. And Dennis looked at me and said, oh no, you want this movie to go on for as long as possible. Of course, we were there for another three months. Sorry, Dennis Hopper, all shitty things must come to an end. And it did, going from a $65 million budget to a $100 million budget to an unheard of $135 million budget before finally settling on a record-breaking $175 million spent when the movie was finally finished. To put that into context, the blockbuster action hit Independence Day was made the following year for the price of $75 million. To its credit, when Waterworld premiered in 1995, it did open at number one and made $88 million domestically, accumulating another $176 million at the international box office, giving a worldwide total profit of $264 million. Not bad at all, really, until you look at those insane production costs and another cool $65 million which was spent on marketing and distribution. The profit was low, the reviews were bad, and the film is considered a bomb. But... After a while, it did make a bit of a profit, eventually, with home video rentals, sales, and TV rights slowly pushing the film into the black, even making more of a profit over the years with Waterworld stunt show attraction opening at Universal Studios Hollywood. That helps, again, a little bit more. According to Costner himself, he still holds fast that the movie is very good, he was great, and making it was a joy. According to Kevin Costner, I'm not sure you know how hard people work on films – I'm not sure you know how beloved this movie is around the world. Being hard on a film is really easy if you don't know the underbelly of what went into it. When you do know the forensics of a movie, the participation and decisions of others that one has to stand in front of, you can't help but see it differently, he says. I know that people might think of Waterworld as a low point for me. It wasn't. It could have been better, more obvious outcome. The thing I know is that I never had to stand taller for a movie when most people were going the other way. The movie, with all its imperfections, was a joy to me, a joy to look back upon and to have participated in. Maybe. I love a box office bomb, but for me, it was a lot of plastic netting and CGI. CGI that does not hold up, nor helps the story with the weak characters, and there's just not much else to it. In researching this episode, I found that there is an extended water-rolled cut called the Ulysses Cut that runs almost three hours, and gives more depth to the story and the characters. But I am not sure I can stomach that quite yet.
1: You know, I I originally only saw a portion of this movie, to be fair. But I had no idea that Kevin Costner said, (laughs) no, you don't understand. It is good, and I am good. Yeah. So I didn't realize that I didn't like it. I am now realizing I did like it, and I do like him.
2: Yep. There you go. There you What go. he's saying is,
1: is right. It is, it's like a lot of work goes into things, but a lot of work goes into a lot of things. Our job is only to receive the finished product and assess what that is. Exactly. A lot of people work very, very hard on things that aren't good. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes people put minimal effort on things that are great. Yeah. But it's not for us to be like, oh, we can't be of your mind to be like oh well now our ex- your experience is a lot different than our experience yeah that goes for anything that's why we show a picture of like hey look at a picture of my kid mm-hmm. it's like I'm not going to be as excited as you are. Totally. (laughs) It's your kid. And if I was as excited, that'd be weird.
2: And also, like, if we were meant to experience things in that way, we would have gotten, when we went in to buy a ticket to this movie, we would have gotten a call sheet and a budget breakdown. Like, if I'm going into an art museum and seeing a piece of art, I would have gotten the different paint colors. You don't – you're not supposed to have that. And I think getting that stuff and having a sense of it will help with appreciation. But that's not – what people do like, that's not really how we experience things if we don't have that background and we shouldn't be expected to have that. And it's so funny. Cause like, I love Kevin Costner. I really do. Again, it's like a joy to watch him in most everything <laughs> like Waterworld was tough, but he's such everything I read about him. He was such an asshole. Like it feels so much like, like it's got Mariah Carey vibes to it where it's like, are you the only person in this universe because if you were and you purport to know so much about filmmaking you would have done things differently
1: i guess this should be a disclaimer we should put at the beginning (laughs) i do not like kevin costner i think he is extremely bland he is a bland (laughs) one of my favorite movies sometimes i'd say it's my favorite movie is the untouchables Mm -hmm. and kevin costner's in it and he's great because he's bland He's (laughs) He's <laughs> Elliot Ness. He's straight laced, oh, oh, sort of robotic, but he's perfect to to mm. uh, you know for Robert De Niro's uh, Al Capone mm-hmm. and Sean Connery. Like you need to be that kind of straight laced, kind of like bland Elliot Ness. But that's a good choice. Yeah. Anything else I've seen him in, I think he he's acting. As, you know the way he speaks about himself. Uh-huh. That's how he acts. Yeah. It comes through, I think, and not to say that he does a bad job in these things, but he does a job in them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks about he's like, hey, listen, Waterworld is in the low point. You're right, dude. (laughs) Let me tell you something. (laughs) In in, in 25 years, who's talking about Kevin Costner really currently beside (laughs) me and you? I mean, have you
2: seen Yellowstone, though? Come on. You feel the way about Kevin Costner that I do about Ben Affleck. Where I think he is so boring, I do no. I I agree. I agree. It's like he was good in Hollywood Land because he was playing a boring guy.
1: Yeah, you know he, he is. Yeah, he is a very kind of like it's not bad, but it's not good. Like if you replaced it with somebody else, but I I, I think it's he should stick by his movie, and that's okay. Like you don't have to defend. Like I know you are gonna stand by it. Mm-hmm. You know, person who wants them to. St- after the fact, CGI a couple of hairs on your head, uh, you know what I mean, in the movie. Because he knows the script is there. The acting is there. um, Everything is there. The thing that's not there, it's going to distract people from this great movie, is how thin my hairline is. Mm-hmm. Which is, oh, dude, you've always had a thin <laughs> Yeah, It's dude. not even like Kevin Costum, that hair. Yeah, In The Untouchables in 1987, <laughs> his hair was thin too. But now you have the power to change all of that. I I do remember watching some of this movie. I don't like movies on water with boats. I think they're, (laughs) for the most part, not that there's not any good ones out there, are relatively boring to me, not interested in it. And I remember watching some of it. And it's just watching Kevin Costner in that kind of, it's interesting, Mm -hmm. that Mad Max on the water. Mm -hmm. And that's, in hindsight, I was like, yeah, that is what it is. I was like, there's just something about this that I don't like and don't want to watch because i don't want to watch kevin costner like hanging on a like a the bow of a ship (laughs) for like two hours while he's just kind of really i think being bland like he's He's just costnering out he's just costnering (laughs) out and yeah he's been in some really iconic movies of the 90s Mm -hmm. would the movie be awful if it wasn't kevin costner would they be ba- would they be bad movies if it was not oh
2: no I mean you mean other movies from the... no I think and again this yeah. I love Kevin Costner yeah. I I grew up watching those movies so I disagree with that but this is a arguably a really bad movie also yeah. the last time I watched it there was legit like Pepsi product placement everyone's wearing nets first of all everyone's wearing a different type of net and everyone has a braid yeah. like a like a thick braid down the side of their hair and they're all drinking like old like ratty pepsi cans filled with water i think it's
1: partially hollywood's fault and people like it's your fault it is because you've let kevin costner think i'm better than i am let me show <laughs> people and do something that's a bad idea but because kevin costner go i <laughs> kind of like right. the, that thing's like i can make that happen what's your what's some of your favorite kevin costner movies after water world
2: i mean dances with wolves Wyatt Earp is one of my all-time favorite movies i mean what year was that that was n- 97 probably, I forget. That's exactly. probably a good,
1: probably a good movie.
2: Yeah, like his old, his western. Like the nineties westerns are have always had a special okay. place in my heart. So that's. And where I'm, I'm not come saying from. that's
1: like he's doing it like a bad. It's not like a mm. thing where it's like, oh, he's just he's bad at acting. I just think he's very like. Yeah, Kevin Costner there is fine. He's not going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably more dynamic people in it, or the people that he has with him are. Are just more dynamic. I'm thinking yeah. p- Untouchables, like Sean Connery and sure. uh, Robert hitters. De Niro mm-hmm. and Kevin Costner. That's a lo- you need a bland Elliot Ness. One of my favorite movies, and I would be upset if Kevin Costner wasn't in it because he made that movie. To be fair, yeah, you know, it, I couldn't think of anyone else in it. Okay, okay. Question:
2: Waterworld or Battlefield Earth?
1: I've never seen Battlefield Earth. I will say Kevin Costner. I think is a for the most part a bit. Uh, no, I don't know if he's a better actor than John Travolta. Mm. But mm, they're they're kind of on par. They're on par. Maybe. Let's, listen. Find find someone. Find <laughs> someone you hate and do a double feature. <laughs>